0: welcome to 31 Days of Terror Day 10. Before we start today's episode it's really windy so if you can hear any wind or noise in the background that's what it is and I just I can't catch a break and find a time when it's not super windy to record. To kick things off today I want to thank some of our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Caroline Robinson, All the Little Piggies, Ruve Lang, Teresa Schrum, Nia, Tully O'Leary, Celine Santiago, Paul Orr, Michelle, Sam Ashmore, Rachel C, Louise, Jasmine Gonzalez, Jenny Mullis, Jamie, Joey Feelings, Shelby, Jessica Jones, Kizzy White. And Mariah Yoder. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. I am so thankful for you every single day. And I have four spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from September the 14th, 2020. And story number one comes from Kaz. My grandfather's family moved into Texas when it was still part of Mexico and kept some very traditional Mexican beliefs in their small agricultural community. He was the seventh child of the family, and being the seventh son automatically meant he was his grandmother's favourite. Now, it might be tempting to call up an image of a kindly old granny who bakes cookies and hands out treats. She was, by all accounts, decidedly the opposite, and was, in fact, a witch. As a side note, way back in 2005, my family visited the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California, In the gift shop was one of those fortune teller machines where you put a coin in, a mannequin moves inside and spits out a paper fortune. When my grandfather saw it he went pale and started quietly weeping. My sister and I rushed over to try and figure out what was wrong and apparently the dummy inside this machine looked exactly like his grandmother. In Mexican culture there are two distinct types of witchcraft. There are curanderos, white witches, who mostly focus on healing, herbal cures and removing the effects of the evil eye or other curses. Then, there are brujos, the black magic practitioners, and probably the ones responsible for putting those curses on people. There are lots of rumours that brujos can shapeshift into other animals, mostly spooky things like cats, owls and wolves. My grandfather has told a story about being a little boy and his grandmother getting an unusual late-night visitor. He would regularly stay with her for a few days at a time, and while people would come and visit her for various cures or curses, one night, well after dark, a strange woman walked up to their back door, seemingly materialising out of the cornfields behind the house. My grandfather said he had never seen her in or around the town, and that she had an odd appearance, and moved strangely, like walking was uncomfortable for her. Upon seeing who was at the door, my great-great-grandmother welcomed her into the kitchen, sat her down at the table, and put the kettle on, and glared at my grandfather, and made several threats about what the consequences would be if he didn't immediately go to bed. He said that he could only hear the soft murmur of low conversation, and that he watched out the window to see where this woman would go when she left. Apparently, she shuffled off into the thick of the cornfields, and moments later a large white owl flew off into the moonlight. Depending on the retelling of this story, he has on occasion said that he only saw the owl woman once, and also that she returned to visit his grandmother many times. I suppose both could be true. Maybe he only saw her as an owl once, and saw her as a woman several times. Not surprisingly, my grandfather has had many paranormal experiences in his life. He saw an apparition of my uncle before he was born, had many premonitory dreams, once saw an abandoned country church full of spirits, and at one point, his long term friendship and patronage of a lady psychic drove a wedge in his marriage to my grandmother. Luckily they are still happily married decades later. My birthday is Halloween, so naturally I was always the one who begged to hear another ghost story, who always wanted to learn more about the paranormal, and who always asked about my great-great-grandmother. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents when I was young as they looked after me quite a bit, so my appetite for the creepy was regularly satiated. But my mother, who is rather religious hated any talk of my great great grandmother and would interrupt and derail any mention she happened to overhear i have had small minor paranormal things happen visiting places and hearing things no one else could touching something and knowing its history having dreams about little inconsequential things that later came true maybe i could write up some of these things another time but for now we'll just focus on one experience dreams are a tricky business Because it's very easy to write them all off as your subconscious just working things out. The random firing of neurons, that sort of thing. When I was a teenager, I taught myself how to lucid dream. And I've had a number of dreams where I felt like I went to a different plane to learn something. Maybe this is just the deep recesses of my subconscious mind. Maybe it's some Jungian shared consciousness or the astral plane. I really couldn't say. Just trust me when I say that I have had dreams that are weird. And this one is pretty much at the top of the bizarre scale. At the time, I was in an emotionally abusive relationship, dealing with some health issues that resulted in chronic pain, working multiple part-time jobs that I hated, feeling very isolated and alone, see the aforementioned asshole ex, and unsurprisingly in the midst of a very deep depression. It seemed like things were never going to get better, And most of my energy was spent on just trying to get through one day at a time. There was nothing particularly special about the night I had this dream no change in routine, no drugs, no wild drinking, nothing out of the ordinary. I went to sleep as usual, and I woke up because I heard a noise in the kitchen. I lay there just listening, and I heard movement again. Thinking that one of our cats has gotten into something that they shouldn't have, I got up to investigate. The light in the kitchen was on, and standing at the stove, making Turkish coffee in a floral apron, was my great-great-grandmother. She was a solid, full-bodied person, not ghostly or see-through. Looking up and smiling as I walked in, she told me to sit down at the table because it was time that we talked. I did as I was told, because obviously that's what you do when your decades-long deceased grandmother just pops in unannounced in the middle of the night. We drank coffee and talked for a long time about our family, my life and choices I would have to make for the future. As we were finishing our coffees, I thanked her for visiting me, for her advice and for watching over me. She smiled and told me to tell my grandfather that she said hello. And then I woke up. The alarm clock was going off. I was in bed and there was no evidence of any secret coffee chats the night before. I waited until I was alone and out of earshot of my ex who would have belittled me for being superstitious and I called my grandfather. I described the whole dream, what happened, how different and real it felt and he asked me to describe her. When I did he laughed but I could hear he was on the verge of tears. That sounds like her. She'll do that from time to time. Just check in on you in dreams. I tried to press him to tell me more but all he said was I probably wouldn't tell your mother about this. So now, many years later, that dream still feels special and powerful, and I reflect on that ancestral connection often. I don't have a photo of my great-great-grandmother, but I make sure that when I set up my Dia de los Muertos ofrenda each year, I have something to represent and honour her. I am now with a wonderful kind partner who encourages and supports me, and allows me to be as witchy and as spooky as I'd like to be. Although I have been politely asked not to hex anyone, which is probably a wise decision. Before we go on to the next story, I just want to apologise if I pronounced any of those words incorrectly. I did Google them, I looked them up and I listened to the pronunciation lots of times, but sometimes my mouth, because I'm not used to speaking and pronouncing words in that way, doesn't make the sounds properly. So I did my best, but I apologise if you're listening and you're shuddering at how I pronounced some of those words. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And story number two comes from Kate. When my grandparents were very young, right after they got married, they went to Devon for their honeymoon. This was about 60 years ago. They'd been to Devon many times in a similar spot, and so they were reasonably familiar with the area. They decided to go on an afternoon stroll one day down a forest track. After about half an hour or so, they stumbled upon a gorgeous old-worldy tea room, and so they decided to go in for a little snack. My grandmother had a tea cake, my granddad had a scone, and they had a pot of tea between them both. They particularly enjoyed the tea and asked what brand it was so they could purchase it for themselves. What struck them most about this quaint little tea room was how old-fashioned it was. Even the waitresses were wearing uniforms which seemed very out of date, but were still smart and everyone was busy and working hard. They spoke again to their waitress, paid and complimented how wonderful it was. After about a week they decided to return because they had enjoyed it so much and were eager to get another cup of that tea so off they went down the path and they took every single step exactly as they remembered to get to the tea room when they finally reached where it should be which wasn't difficult to remember the route they came to a dead end no tea room just a wall upon wall of adult trees they couldn't understand It was absolutely impossible, they had followed the route perfectly and yet there was absolutely no sign whatsoever of this tea room. Confused and dumbfounded, they wandered around the woods a bit more, putting it down to their own silliness and just getting lost. After a while they crossed paths with an elderly woman who was walking her dog and they stopped and asked her where they could find the little old furnished tea room. The woman looked confused and told them there was no such tea room in the forest and that she had lived in the area her whole life, so she would know. My grandparents started to feel delusional, and they told the woman that they had actually been here a week ago, and had gone in for a bite to eat and a drink, so that was impossible. The woman seemed very confused, and said they must be mistaken. The only tea room which was in the woods had been closed down many, many years ago, before my grandparents were born, and she had been to it as a little girl. After pressing the woman little harder and describing the tea room with as much detail as they could remember, even down to the tea brand, she seemed dumbfounded and agreed that it sounded exactly like the tea room she remembered as a child. They parted ways and joked that it must have been a slip in time. My grandparents still tell this story with so much detail, it fascinates me. And while my grandmother might tell a tale or two, my grandfather is the most humble and honest man and he cannot explain what happened, but even when he tells the story now, he gets goosebumps. I think it's an amazing story, and by far my favourite glitch tale. The funniest thing is, the tea brand still existed after all those years, and they drank it for absolutely donkey's years before it got too expensive for them to send from Devon. Still uncertain of what happened, they continued to look for that tea room with the ladies in old-fashioned dresses and pinnies. Something else strange happened that week too. They visited a place called Chambercombe Manor and asked a man for directions as they were on foot. He told them which way to go. And when they turned around, he wasn't there. And stray number three comes from Anonymous. Like most people, I've had some strange things happen to me. ...but most could be explained by infrasound, sleep paralysis or even random coincidence. But honestly, it feels great to finally write about this one experience that I can't explain. A few years ago I was sound asleep at around 1am... ...when I heard the distinctive sound of someone crawling across my bed. If you've ever had children crawl into your bed, you are familiar with that sound... Considering our children are older teens and don't crawl into our bed anymore, it was an unusual sound for me. I was lying on my side facing my sleeping husband and opened my eyes to see a man crawling towards me across the top of our mattress, between my husband's head and the headboard. I could see my husband asleep and undisturbed. The man crawled until he was just inches away from me, and stared intently at me with an almost curious look on his face. There was no paralysis, because I immediately dove under the covers and began screaming bloody murder. To my horror, I felt hands grabbing me and a voice calling my name, and I thought, oh hell no, and I began punching as hard as I could and continued screaming. Within a few seconds, I realised it was my husband calling my name and grabbing me. I stopped beating my spouse, and pulled the covers down to look around. My husband said he had never seen my eyes so large or anyone so completely terrorised. I was stuttering as I told him that there was a man there, and as I said it, I realised how crazy it sounded. There was nobody there. The space between my husband's head and the top of the mattress was only an inch or so, not nearly enough room for someone to crawl across. Regardless of my rational brain kicking in, I began to shake uncontrollably. He pulled me close and held me tight for the rest of the night, and neither of us slept until daylight. I literally trembled for hours. I'd never done that, and it was exhausting for both of us. The next day he asked me a bit more about the incident, and I explained it as best as I could. I told him it was probably just a waking dream of some kind. He asked if I knew the man. I told him no, But that wasn't exactly the truth. The man who crawled across my bed was familiar to me. From my mid-teens to my early 20s, I was madly and secretly in love with a boy I'll call Johnny. He was the son of a family acquaintance and slightly older than I. Despite seeing him only once or twice a year, I was convinced that Johnny was the love of my life. In my early 20s, my dreams came true and we began to date. About two weeks into the relationship, I realised Johnny, while charming and cute, was absolutely not the love of my life. Fortunately, we lived in different states, so it was pretty easy to let the relationship fade. There was no unpleasantness or resentment as far as I knew, and the last time I saw Johnny, he was in his mid-twenties. Until I saw him that night, as he crawled across the bed. I recognised him instantly. The look on his face, which was just inches from mine, wasn't malevolent, but like I said, it was curious. Like how you might look at an interesting bug you see on the ground. But Johnny that night was older than the last time I saw him. Probably in his early to mid-thirties, which is odd because by now we were both in our fifties. Although I'm not in the habit of lying to my husband, I didn't want to tell him it was kind of Johnny that I saw that night because it would have been awkward... I mean my childhood crush isn't a secret or anything but I didn't want my husband to think I was carrying an old flame especially after giving him bruises by hitting him from under the covers. We're happily married but I hadn't even thought of Johnny in years so why would I dream about him like that? The dream clung to me for several days and I found myself dissecting it to find some kind of explanation. I could still hear him crawling across the bed, I could feel it I could see it so vividly. Unlike most dreams, the sensations weren't fading. Even today I can remember them. Why would I have such a vivid dream about Johnny, but not Johnny? Eventually I chalked it up to weird brain and I felt better about it. Until the phone rang a few weeks later. It was a call from a family member who had also known Johnny's family. She called to let me know that Johnny's dad had died the day before from a stroke. I just thought it was a weird coincidence. Since the funeral was out of state, I didn't plan to attend, although my family member did. She called me after the funeral to tell me about it. Give me updates on all the people we used to know who attended, etc. She found out that Johnny's dad had had the stroke a few weeks earlier and had been unresponsive ever since. He had suffered additional strokes, and the family decided to take him off life support. Then she said, You wouldn't believe it, but I nearly fainted when Johnny walked into the room. He looks exactly like his dad, I mean identical. Did you ever notice that when you were younger? I got chilled and somehow finished the conversation, agreeing that I never thought Johnny looked like his dad. I mean, Johnny was so hot and his dad was like 50 years old or something, right? but there was a different calculus going on in my head. Johnny's dad suffered a coma-inducing stroke from which he never awoke around the same time as I had my dream. He and Johnny were identical, although some 30 years apart in age. Suddenly I recalled being told as a child that everyone in heaven is 33 years old, the age Jesus was when he was crucified, which was about the right age for the man in my room that night. But why in the world, or in the afterlife, would Johnny's dad visit me? Even now, I have no explanation for that. Honestly, if it was him, he almost seemed equally curious about why he was there in my bed. Or maybe he wanted to say goodbye to me for some reason and was just shocked to see my middle-aged face. I don't know what happened that night, and I'm glad I can finally share it here. Hopefully, it was a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I am a person of strong faith, and I do believe there is a universal heaven where we'll all end up eventually. Hopefully, I'll run into Johnny's dad there and finally get some answers. Or, and this thought just struck me, maybe he and Johnny will both be 33 and look identical, and how will I tell them apart? And story number four comes from Bailey. I live in North Carolina in a house that was built in the 70s. I don't know much about the people that lived there prior to my family, but I have heard that there was another house previously in this spot before this one was built. I've also heard that there is a Native American burial ground in the woods behind my house. But who knows if that's the truth. Probably just a bunch of locals trying to tell spooky stories and that one got passed around. I've pretty much grown up in the house and over the years we've experienced a lot of creepy things that my family assumes are paranormal. For instance, we have two spare bedrooms. One was my playroom when I was younger. I vaguely remember feeling really eerie and sometimes hearing voices when I would be playing alone in that room. And the other has acted as sort of a guest room. My dad slept in there once when he was sick, and to this day he will never sleep in that room again, because he claims he had nightmares all night long about being tied up with ropes, and he felt as though the room was haunted. One night, a year or two ago, I had a terrible dream about a ghost in my house. The ghost was chasing me around, but I couldn't actually see it. The part of the dream that scared me the most was when the ghost flew behind the window curtains and pressed its face against them. When it did that, I could see all of its facial features, as though a man was behind the curtain, pulling it against his face. In retrospect, the dream doesn't sound all of that scary. But the next morning, I woke up and decided to tell my parents about it. We were all standing in the kitchen as I recalled the dream and my parents just stared at me. They proceeded to tell me that all that night they too had suffered bouts of nightmares and couldn't fully get to sleep without being woken again. My mom said she had woken up in the middle of the night and her pillow smelled so strongly of cigarette smoke that it had almost given her a headache. Neither of my parents smoked. Later that night my dad was walking to the kitchen to get a glass of water My dad said that when he was walking to the kitchen, he got an extremely strong whiff of cigarette smoke. Mind you, my mom hadn't told my dad how her pillow smelled of smoke. As he was passing through the area in between the kitchen and the living room, he said he saw a translucent spirit-like thing moving in front of him into the living room. Since then, we have smudged the house with Sage and Paolo Santo, and nothing similar to that sort has happened again. We still never really made any conclusions about what it all could have been, but it was really creepy nonetheless. Thank you so much to Kaz, Kate, Anonymous and Bailey for sending in your stories. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to send in your own story, you can do so by sending it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow.